Hi everyone, I'm pleased to have Architect and NextGen member Chris Radley with me today on episode five of Talking Shop with the NextGen, discussing all things NextGen and the future workplace. Welcome, Chris. I'll jump straight into questions if I may. Firstly, let's talk about some of the lessons learned from the pandemic, which you continue to take with you into your working life. What do architects need to be thinking about in London and beyond? Um, well, I think there's probably two aspects to that question. One is um, uh, lessons about the kind of buildings that I think we sh should be designing. And the other one is more lessons for, uh, as designers, how we go about designing them and communicating those designs with people. Um, so I think probably for us, the, the pandemic really reinforced um, some of the ideas that we think have been important in workplace design for a while, uh, such as flexibility, volume, longevity of buildings and adaptation for, for different uses, um, access to greenery and fresh air. Um, and I think one, one lesson that was really a change, I think, that we drew from the, the pandemic is that it became very clear that uh, people like to be involved in um, the, the design of their working environment much more. And I think that's a result of uh, a lot of people working from home for a long time where they can obviously um, sort of customise their spaces and make things exactly how the way they would want it to be. And I think that people are taking that attitude into their, their workplace. Um, and it kind of highlights the fact that I think nowadays workplaces are sort of competing with other environments as places to do work. Um, you know, the office versus versus the home versus the cafe versus a co-working space, that, that kind of uh, thing. Um, and I guess the second part, um, uh, the lesson we took in the, the way that we actually work from, from the pandemic is, um, I think it's clear that uh, meetings will be mixed for a long time between phys people physically in the room and people watching on video. So that has implications for how we present things, discuss things. Um, we have to think very carefully about using physical models in, in meetings, which was something that we were very keen on and still are keen on, but um, maybe they can be used with uh, augmented reality so that people on the who are joining via the screen or the camera can also uh, understand what we're presenting. Um, so I think those are probably the, the key lessons. Yes, very good. And a second question then, within commercial real estate, we often hear it said that future-proofing is at the heart of design and that resilience is important. So for the sake of lingo busting, what do we mean when we are saying resilient buildings? Um, I so I think a resilient building is one that uh, isn't necessarily unaffected by change, but can accommodate changes. Uh, and then uh, once sort of the kind of extreme changes have passed, whatever they are, it can then um, sort of go back to a more normal uh, operation somehow. Um, so I think uh, with respect to, to workplace buildings, it's having the capacity for uh, kind of shorter term fluctuations in occupation behaviors or, or restrictions. Um, and I think if, if a building can do that and remain as a viable workplace, then it's, it's not only uh, physically resilient, but also economically resilient. Um, I think that's really important because I think um, 
uh, I think part of the idea of having a resilient building is and future proofing it is trying to uh, break the kind of 50 year demolition and redevelopment cycle that is, was commonplace certainly up until a few years ago. And I think that is starting to change. I think with you know new new developments that are coming through and much more um, taking a longer term view of things, which I think is good. Yeah, very much so. And then uh, just on to um, our next discussion is what three projects have you looked to in recent years for some inspiration? Um, so, I mean, personally, I am interested in uh, how buildings can be adapted um, in novel or interesting ways, uh, changing uses um, and or being designed to allow that to happen in the future. Um, and that uh, is, is pretty specific to the actual building or the client or the location. So I, I was trying to think about my answer to this question. It's quite hard to actually pick uh specific buildings it's more of a kind of an approach i think um so uh i think we have been uh kind of tracking uh personally i've been tracking how some of the kind of with slightly redundant retail environments have been repurposed recently uh, particularly department stores and kind of uh, large retail spaces and um, that's something we're definitely interested in um in terms of new workplaces i there's a, a couple of projects that are sort of pre-planning on they might have planning permission now um uh, both in london bridge actually one one's by foster and partners and the other one's by pilbara and partners and they're, they're reasonably large workplace buildings and they have all of their kind of sustainability credentials that people expect now but i think that what i find interesting about them is the way that they approach the grounds and the public realm they're both sort of lifted above the grounds and they have lots of green space, uh, public space, and very permeable um, uh, kind of entry, it appears. And I think that's uh, really important for uh, kind of workplaces that are looking towards the future, um, kind of demonstrating physically that they are sustainable buildings rather than a sort of um, the latest iteration of a very efficiently mechanically ventilated glass box, which can be quite hard for the public to appreciate what it's actually doing. I think if you have something that's visible uh, and clear, I think that really helps the kind of case for these buildings. Yes, I'm looking forward to see both those built actually. Now, let's turn to the Brunel Building in London. It won the Commercial Workplace Awards at the 2020 National BCO Awards. The judges said the Fletcher Police design scheme for, for developer Derwin which was built alongside a canal in London and sits above a tube line, was an engineering masterclass in every way and praised its sleek industrial aesthetic. What do you think makes this project so special? Um, I think uh, I think the building's response to its site is probably the, the key, uh, both in terms of expressing the kind of history of engineering around that part of London, around the Paddington Basin and the Great Western Railway, um, but also really making most the most of the canal side location um, and kind of transforming that into a new public space. Um, there are several uh, kind of medium sized workplace buildings elsewhere in the basin, um, but Brunel is the only one where the kind of main entrance is focused on the canal side of the site rather than the kind of roads on, on the other side. 
Um, so we we made the most of that through a kind of series of interconnected retail and reception spaces that um, can open up and um, sort of very very flexible in how you can use them. Um, and especially the, the pieces that face the canal, there's large sections of facade that can open up. So on a sunny day, the kind of permeable boundary between the inside and outside. And um, it's really, it's really good to see that happening. Uh, it took a while for the building to kind of complete and fit outs to happen. And then, and then the kind of COVID restrictions kicked in. So it's been kind of a long process, but um, it's definitely, I think, a, a real transformation on, on the site. Um, but as well as that, I think there was some very clear ideas that the team had about um, uh, ex exposing and ex expressing the structure and the services throughout the building. Um, and the whole design team were on board with that. And also, I think, really, uh, obviously, Derwent, uh, you know, were a big part of pushing that kind of those ideas forwards and helping uh, the team and the, the contractors and the subcontractors that everyone was kind of on the same page when it came to that. And I think that really helped. There was no, you know, it was a true design team in, in the widest sense, I think. And I think the kind of strength of that is reflected in, in the success of the building, I think. This is um, a wonderful building and uh, certainly deserve the award. But can you name one thing, whether that's a piece of tech or maybe a, one of your colleagues or a way of working that currently makes your working life more productive and say more easier? Um, I think uh, maybe going back to the first question, I think during the, the lockdown, um, I think the kind of job that we do as designers, it's very hard to do that individually through video calls and uh, exchanging thing, emails and stuff. Um, so I think there's a kind of collection of bits of technology that were there before the pandemic. Um, but I think we really learned how to use them in the best way through the through the lockdowns. And I think that has, is going to continue now we're kind of um, back in the office. Uh, predominantly and so that's like um uh, like cloud storage and teams and that kind of um uh enabling collaboration digitally i think was something that we learned how to do um and i think that is probably um the biggest thing that's making i think it has benefits now that we're back in the office basically is, is kind of what i'm trying to say yes very very much so and uh, Chris, how do you constantly stay creative? If, um, if say, reading is part of this for you, can you tell us what you're currently reading? Um, so I think uh, I, I think the great thing about being an architect is that you're constantly looking towards the future and uh, the and constantly changing. Um, so you're presented with new briefs and contexts, uh, new technologies. So I think that means you, you're always having to develop creative solutions. So um, I think <clears throat> um, staying creative, though, I think, it, again, I think it's something that's changed maybe the last few years, but really understanding that there are some environments or times of the day or the week that it's easier to do things, um, certain things, and some sometimes or environments, it's easy to do other things. So, and there's sort of planning out your times um, so that you might spend a day at home doing kind of uh, 
more individual tasks and then when you you know coming together as a team on certain days in the office i think that's kind of helped us to be more productive if you see what i mean um in terms of reading i do read uh, a bit but um more as a kind of break from from architecture <laughs> i think um i'm actually reading at the moment a biography of alfred hitchcock um because he he, he grew up kind of where i live in london um it's a bit of a, a bit of a slog to be honest but it helps me get to sleep at night <laughs> he was certainly very creative and um, finally can you offer any advice for the next gen who are thinking of entering the 2022 BCO Next Gen Ideas Project competition. Perhaps some advice from your creative process or maybe some tips on how someone might approach the competition. Um, yeah, I think if you're, if you're thinking about entering, entering it, I, I would say do it. Uh, it was really good to, to do. Um, when we entered, it was a kind of a group submission. Um, I think this time it's individual submissions, but I think that means that you can really sort of explore something that you're personally interested in and see where it takes you um, kind of using using your professional knowledge and contacts and experience and everything but i guess sort of speculating a little bit where where things could go um and yeah it was just really really fun i think um uh I, yeah i guess i guess my advice would be find something that you're interested in personally because it's much easier to to sort of push that kind of in an extracurricular environment. <laughs> Excellent. Right, I'd like to remind those who are thinking of entering the Next Gen Ideas Project competition this year. If you need some inspiration, Chris was on the winning team for their project, Future Work, which won the 2020 Next Gen Design Competition. If you haven't yet heard, the 2022 competition is now open. This year it is open to all disciplines and is more about ideas than design. So if you are thinking of entering, get those creative muscles flexed as the deadline is the 20th of May. Now, that's it for time, I'm afraid. It was great speaking to you, Chris. Many, many thanks for your insight and inspiration. Thank you. Thank you.